0: Welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy?
1: It's done. There's no more talk about it. The playoff committee's hands were tied. The Bearcats did the work. They did not smoke the weed. They believed in the big thick energy. So with that, all that behind us, we now we get a clear picture. We want a clear picture of, of what's gonna happen. The University of Cincinnati Bearcats are gonna take big, thick energy into AT and T Stadium in the Cotton Bowl to take on the Alabama Crimson Tad. and that is my best impression. Brian Kelly (laughs) with that said though what a special thing we have today it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat football fan indeed it is you laid it out Hummer we have
0: been able to finally move past the speculation about whether the Bearcats can make the playoff we did it we're in the Bearcats are at number four and they're matched up against number one Alabama and we are just over two weeks away from kickoff. And with that, it felt appropriate to finally give the game some, maybe not X's and O's talk or coverage, but let's get to know the Alabama team a little bit better. And so we collaborated with Dave Osment of the Alabama football podcast uh, to talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide specifically on our podcast. But we also went on his to talk more about the Cincinnati Bearcats. I thought it was a great conversation, learned a lot about the team, learned about the Alabama fan perspective, where his concerns are, if he has any, um, where the weaknesses might lie with this Alabama defense and Alabama offense. And and from this conversation, um, I hope you as a listener feel even better about where the Bearcats, can, or what the Bearcats can potentially do in this game. Uh, I think there's a real opportunity here Obviously the challenge is massive. It's monumental. This is the number one college football team of the past decade that we're playing against. And and it's an incredible opportunity, a challenging opportunity. Uh, And this conversation made me that much more excited for December 31st.
1: Yeah. And to be frank, uh, you know, you, you think Alabama fans and instantly in my mind, I go towards like, you know, obnoxious Ohio state fans. And I'm not going to lie. This guy maybe might make you like Alabama a little bit. No, he won't. No, he won't. Uh, but Dave is no, awesome. Nice. Dave, Dave was, was fantastic awesome. on
0: the podcast.
1: Great conversation. I think you guys are going to like it. Like I said, it's actually going to bring a little bit of, I think um, he brings a little bit of sincerity and humility to, to the podcast. Uh, giving the Bearcats great respect and what we've accomplished and in the matchup we're about to bring. So this is the first of uh, the previews. Without further ado, Dave
0: Osmond of the Alabama football podcast. Founded in 2007 homage turns back the clock with shout outs to eclectic moments and personalities in sports, music, and popular culture from Billy Jean King to Larry Bird. Homage tells stories of triumph, individualism, and hustle, preserving the old school, and creating new legacies. Pay homage at www.homage.com. Homage has put together an incredible Cincinnati Bearcat collection on their website, and to celebrate the Cincinnati Bearcats' undefeated regular season in football, they've given Cincy Slang and listeners the opportunity to get discounts on their Cincinnati Bearcats gear, but also support the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast, which we truly appreciate. When you go to their website and buy one of the Cincinnati Bearcat hoodies or T-shirts or undefeated regular season championship shirts, use the code SLANGIN15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, for any purchase of Cincinnati Bearcat gear at homage.com, use the code SLANGIN15 at checkout for an additional 15% off your order. The offer is for new customers only and runs through January 31st, 2022. It's a great way to get yourself some awesome Cincinnati Bearcat gear while simultaneously supporting your favorite Cincinnati Bearcat podcast. Thank you. We are now joined by Dave Osment of the Alabama Football Podcast. Dave, thanks for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast today.
2: Thanks, gentlemen. So glad to be on with you.
0: We're doing a bit of a home and home here. Uh, we just got done speaking to you about the Cincinnati Bearcats, a conversation that viewed everything through that lens. And now I think it's it's a great opportunity to speak to someone with some expertise and familiarity with the Alabama football program. Not that many people aren't aware of it to an extent. Uh, your quarterback did just win the Heisman Trophy. You've had your fair share of Heisman Trophy winners Alabama being in the college football playoff is not a new thing. So we have a little bit of a different situation here in terms of the two storylines for Alabama versus Cincinnati, but I do think it's going to make for a, for a fun matchup.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I, re- I really do. I'm really excited, uh, you know, for the, for your program. And, and we talk about that and, and our questions, this, this Alabama team is uh, is a bit of a, of an enigma uh, for most of the season you know, saving teams they tend to get better as they go, and we got off to a really good uh, start early in the season. And we thought this team, uh, they if they continue, you know, from this starting point, is going to be a, a really good team. And it turned out that not so much to be true. Uh, we've had a lot of injuries at the uh, 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 at the running back position. Uh, the offensive line has has really been abysmal, and and we've been sort of up and down, and up and down, and up and down all season. And and to our audience that we've really taken the stance that we've resigned ourselves to just enjoy the ride. We don't know what this team on a good day, it could be really good on a bad day, you know, who knows. And so uh, as we go into this game, uh, a lot of confidence from the Georgia game, but you know, it's going to be a whole nother, you know, three weeks before we play. And we, we don't know what flavor Alabama team is going to show up. We're hopeful, but we don't know. And uh, you guys are going to pose quite a test for us.
0: So last season we had, we saw one of the most dominant Alabama teams during Nick Saban's run. I mean, the team kind of mauled through, mowed through everybody in the field. It wasn't a close championship game. And and this season, you can see some close games, you know, a close game against Florida, a loss against AM, uh the, obviously the close rivalry game against Auburn. It has seemed to be a bit of a, you know, just a little bit more of a slog, uh, as much as as much of a slog can be from a from a 12 and one season. But, you know, what what do you kind of attribute that to the most? I think you kind of hinted at at maybe some injury issues, but going from one year untouchable dominant to this year, still having an explosive quarterback, uh, who's winning Heisman trophies and receivers who are seemingly unguardable, um, where where do you see some of that fluctuation coming from?
2: Yeah, no, that's fair. And and you know, with all the things you say about Alabama, and, and we certainly appreciate it. It's hard to take me serious when I when, when when I say where we have struggle points, but but we do. It's real. Um, and and it's the offensive line, and it, and it's really up and down the, the offensive line. Uh, I I do like a a funny sort of little gimmick thing in, in the spring and and in the preseason, and I say if if I could draft back players from last year's team. Who, who would I want back? And everyone wants the star player and the, the wide receiver and the running backs what are the glamor positions. But, you know, you think about building a unit and where do you have the weakness and where could you get the most benefit from having a, a player back? And early in the, in the preseason, I said, if I could have one player back from last year's season, it would be Alex Leatherwood. Uh, he was our left tackle uh, starting uh, last season and, and started for multiple seasons. And, and if we could have one lineman back, of that caliber I think it really it really solidifies this line we, we we lost three uh offensive linemen to last season's draft so getting one more back certainly stabilizes there but the shuffling that that we've done and and we've had a a right guard that has struggled this season play summit center we're on our third string center and just so much shuffling almost a shell game across across the offensive line that uh, that that's that's our that's our weakness. I said after the Florida game, if we don't solve our, our right tackle position, uh, that we're going to be a, easily a, a two loss team. I don't know that we've solved it. And um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that plays out. But definitely offensive line.
0: There was a there was a viral Nick Saban. It was I think it was a radio show. It wasn't a press conference. It was a radio show where he sort of was scolding the fan base because of their lack of appreciation for winning games. And they wanted bigger wins and, and more blowouts. And Hummer actually cited it on our podcast because we could actually, this is the one season where a Cincinnati Bearcat fan could relate. Cause we found ourselves not enjoying an undefeated season because we weren't getting enough quote unquote style points. And some of that's because of how difficult it would be for a Cincinnati Bearcats team to make the playoff. But from your standpoint, and, and being a fan, a longtime fan of the Alabama football program, share with me a bit of, of your thoughts on that Saban rant, and and maybe how how most Alabama fans have enjoyed the season so far.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's a great question. That's a that's a Thursday night sort of radio progr- program that he does every every season. It's a or every every week. It's at a it's at a local restaurant, and I listen to that. and And if and if you hear it, you hear him start to wind up and, uh, and get more energetic and more energetic. And you hear some people applauding in the background. And as I was, as I was listening to it, I thought, I wish I were there at that restaurant. So, I I mean, I don't trust myself to stand on the table, but I would have stood on my chair and, and, and cheered. Uh, And I also would have raised my hand and said, Hey, I'm guilty of all the things that you're saying. And I don't like it in myself, (laughs) you know, uh, uh, across others as well. And, and uh, I feel like you know, we, we have a group of uh, of listeners and we get together uh, like a core group when we do uh, Saturday mornings, we do like a Zoom call. and So it's not really published out, but we have this Zoom call. And sometimes it feels like a therapy session because, you know, some of the things that we want to say it about the team and the frustrations about the team, we almost feel like we can't say it to, uh, to someone who's not another Alabama fan because it just, you know, they don't take us serious. But uh, this team has has really been a struggle. It's been an enigma um it, it it has been it, it is it, you know we talk about uh some of the different intros or things that we've talked about on the podcast you know we're resigned to this team just whatever it is we don't know really what it's going to be uh at different points of the season it looks like one of those sort of art installments where if you look at it this way it looks like a witch and if you look at it that way it looks like like a fair maiden and it's like this team some weeks is both of those i need to i need to consciously stand over here Cause I like this view better, but, uh, but yeah, that's, um, that's been some of the struggle with, uh, with this season's team. And look, I know it's hard to say. And like, we're number one seed in the playoffs. So like these things don't compute, but that's been sort of the dysfunction uh, of this team.
1: Well, I, I took the, the comments from Saban more along the lines too, is, you know, each week when, when you're, Alabama, or in this case, you're Georgia, or you're Cincinnati. You know, this particular season, every single team that you're playing in your conference is coming after you. You are their Super Bowl. You know, they know Ole Miss knows they're not getting into the playoff with you and Georgia at the top of the conference. So every week, you guys are going to get the, their best shot. Auburn, we'll throw some shade at Auburn. We love throwing shade at Auburn. Tommy Tuberville came from Auburn. You know. That's that is their Super Bowl. They got nothing else to look forward to this year. What the they get to look forward to the, the Birmingham Bowl or something? No, like that, that that's that's not fun. I mean, it's fun for the fan base to go to the bowl game, but at the end of the day, like getting a shot at the king of your conference is what everybody wants. And every week you take that sh- best shot from everybody yep. week in and week out. And it's it's tough, it's draining. And you know, and it's and it's that's where you got to like take a step back and say, like, all right, you know what? It's okay to win a game by a touchdown. Right? It's okay to win a game in overtime. You won. By winning that game, you get to be where you're at today, which is in the playoff. Right? And that's that's what we we finally got to like realize when we went when we were like sitting there with the thing like, "All right, we just got we're at Houston or I think it was ECU. We just said win and we're in, baby. Doesn't yeah. matter how by how much. How fancy, just win and you're in."
2: you know, that's one of the things that, and and you're right, Saban talked about that in in that press conference and and he does it other times too. And, and what's funny is, is sometimes it feels like Saban is giving mixed messages and, and he's not giving mixed messages. What he's doing is, is he's, he's protecting his team. And so when the team, when, when the media is sort of hyping on praise, you know, Saban's like, you know, stop it. This is hard work. That's distracting to the players. And when, when the, when the fans or media wants to sort of pile onto the team, you know, that's when he steps in front of them, you know, the, the other way and says, you know, winning games is hard. They're putting forth their effort. If you appreciated, if you understood what it means to them, you know, you would not sort of come at, come at them this way. And, and that, that sort of that presser or that interview, you know, he spoke to uh, he's, he spoke to all those kind uh, all of those types of elements, you know, one of the things, and, and you mentioned this as well, you know, seeing, getting everyone's sort of best game and seeing things that you haven't seen uh, opponents do before. If we think back to, if we think back to this season and, and, you know, even just cherry picking a little bit, uh, but we look back at the teams where Alabama maybe has struggled the most, you know, Texas A&M, you know, LSU, Auburn, the coaches and the teams, and it feels so frustrating as a fan, but you have to step back and and get it. Uh, But against all of those teams, uh, the coaches and the players were saying, you know, we were making adjustments on the fly. They were doing things we had not seen before. They were doing things that we hadn't practiced. And you think if Nick Saban hasn't practiced something, then, then that's pretty left field uh, that, you know, that the team's coming with. And then you look at some of the other games and you think where Alabama maybe looked really well, uh, looked really good, uh, Ole Miss and and Georgia being examples, uh, The the teams, they said Georgia did exactly what we thought they were going to do. And so uh, and so that's something even when you look at examples over the course of the season, when teams gear up and just throw the kitchen sink, we do struggle with that because our kids are kids, too. Uh, But, man, when when you do what we're expecting, then then we're ready for it. And um, and again, that's been one of the interesting paths uh, of the season.
0: Not not a great look for Kirby. That what that didn't sound like a ringing endorsement for for what Kirby's bringing to the table against his, his former sensei let me ask you this. Uh, as Cincinnati Bearcat fans, I'm sure there's other schools who can relate to this as well. um we We build our program with a completely different type of player and a different t- uh, approach. It, it's a long game where you're developing players and they sort of they're not leaving early and getting drafted as early. I think James Hudson was the first player in the history of the Bearcats program to be drafted as an underclassman. Um, it's just not something we see very often here. So outside looking in, we see the nick Saban gets the best players he's created a culture of just it's a pipeline of talent we're gonna we're gonna line up against you i think lane kiffin said it on a, on a national radio show one time about going in every game when he was the offensive coordinator for alabama i know that we're better at every single position you know it's a little bit hyperbolic but there's probably some truth in it as well that we are better than the other team at every single position all that said, what is it about Nick Saban, from your viewpoint, that has made him and differentiate differentiated him as the premier coach in college football? Because there are other schools like LSU and Georgia and and, and Florida where they get they still get a lot of top level talent, but they're not cranking out those undefeated or one loss seasons year in year out like he does. So, what is it about him, from your viewpoint as a, as a longtime fan, that makes him different?
2: You know, I think uh, I, I think it goes back to, you know, when he when he first came to Alabama and he started saying things about how to build a program that at the time maybe was a little bit foreign to to Alabama fans. And now it's almost cliche, but it's the same message. It's the same principle. And he talked about winning is a process. Winning is not an event that happens on Saturday. Winning is is a process. The scoreboard is the outcome of all the effort that goes into uh, your preparation, um, your practice, your study, your workouts, and 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 the concept there. um, And coaches say that. And I think when he first started talking about it, it it registered for me in a way that that like he's not just saying this. This is not just a word. This is a lifestyle that every day we work to improve ourselves. We have a schedule every day of what we need to do. And if we stack those days together, come game time, we'll be ready. We don't have to prepare the game today. We don't have to win the game today. We just have to do what we have to do today. And if we, and if we do that across all facets, not just game prep, not just our off season workout, not just recruiting, but if we do this across all facets, then over time, we're gonna be where we want to be. And um, and it's interesting because I can I can even you know think back to when he first started, you know, at Alabama saying those types of things and where we are now. And it's, I mean, it's mind blowing the success that that he has had is is you know layers above what anyone you know ever could imagine. But it's all about now he's in a program that, you know, I I've always said that, you know. You know, Mike DeBose won ten games at Alabama. You know, Mike Shula won ten games at Alabama. It has been a buoyant program, and and it's been like, if we can get the right driver in the seat of our car, we can go really fast. And uh, and and Nick Saban has certainly proven that.
1: You're muted. I had a buddy. We're watching the uh, the Oklahoma State game and we're doing the game theorying out of, you know, who do you want to play? And, you know, we're talking about Georgia, Alabama. And, you know, earlier in the season, we said this thing like, you know what, we don't mind Bama. <laughs> you know, you know how everybody says we want Bama. We're just like, you know what, they're still really good. We don't mind them. You know, we'll, we'll play them. Uh, and then he just goes, are you sure that you want to have uh, Nick Saban have a month to prepare for your team? Like, that's not who I really want to play. I don't really want to play Nick Saban with a month to prepare for your team, and uh, you know, in the words of the friend of the podcast Brian Fox, I'm still saying, you know what, we don't mind Bama. <laughs>
2: nice, nice. Yeah.
0: So, Dave, let me let's get a little bit more into the nitty gritty of this Alabama yeah. team. And you and you mentioned sort of seeing the two sides of it, and and viewing this Alabama team as the as the witch on one side, or from one perspective, and then did you say the fair laden from the other? Right. Uh, fair maiden. Yeah. Uh, so if you're looking at it from that, that beauty, that beautiful side, and let's start with the offense and, and you're seeing it for everything that it can be. And, 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 is at times, where do you start? What, what stands out to you about this offensive unit?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, if Bryce can have a little bit of time, uh, I don't think he necessarily needs a, a lot of time, but if he can, if he can get a little bit of time, uh, you know, to find, uh, you know, to find his receivers, um, I, you know, I think everything sort of goes better when he feels uh, less pressure, not that he can't handle the pressure, but just things, things really slow down. Uh, You know, from there, uh, Jamison Williams, uh, we call him Jamo or Jamo. He has just been a revelation this season. One of the, you know, against Georgia, we just realized very early on, and I suspected it going into the game, that he has a gear that they couldn't defend. Uh, And I've seen plays that he's made. He made one against Arkansas where he split, you know, double coverage that, that had the, um, that had the angle on him that it, when, when Bryce can put the ball just right down the field, it's almost indefensible. And, and, um, and so when we're rolling, you know, we see uh, us making those plays, you know, John Mechie is going to be out. And so we're going to have to replace him. Uh, He's, he is not as explosive, but he's dangerous in other ways. Uh, and so we're going to have to make up for him. And we've got a couple of tight ends. When they catch the ball and they've struggled with drops, uh, when they catch the ball, we can be uh, pretty pretty productive uh, in that phase of the game too. And then the running back position, right now we just need to survive at, at the running back position. Uh, when we left the game uh, Saturday uh, a week ago against Georgia, we did not have a healthy uh, running back on on the roster and uh and so if we can get you know two of them almost back to health uh for the for the end of the month then that'll be a that'll be a big win for us but those things coming together uh and then you know on on defense uh when we start you know getting people off the field on third downs when will anderson can get free uh you know making plays when the secondary um minds their responsibility and not someone else's responsibility uh when all of that starts to come together uh, that we can be a really good team. And I, and I really do think uh, Georgia is sort of a manifest uh, of that. We've not seen that all season, and uh, and Georgia might be uh, – that game might be a representation of what this team can be.
0: It, it's clear that Jamison Williams unlocks a completely different element to this Alabama offense. We saw him miss most of the game against Auburn because of the targeting penalty And there just seemed to be, they, they lost the, the dynamic element of the offense. It was an offense that all of a sudden didn't seem to scare you downfield. And and especially when you pair that with inconsistent offensive line play at their, during their weakest moments of the season, this offensive line, what, how have they been beaten? Like are teams beating them with blitzes, are they beating them with, with the normal four man fronts? I mean, where, where's the weakness there in the offensive line? Yeah,
2: I think uh I I think it's it's a little bit everywhere, right? Um, you know, certainly the overload blitz. Uh when in, in Texas AM, they did a lot of that, not exclusively. They would back back away from it, but they would overload uh you know one one side of a scrimmage and it's just too many people to block. And then who are they sending and, and that would throw us fits? Uh LSU did a lot more of that, and Auburn did a, a lot more of that, and 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 we really struggled. Uh, so the overload blitz, I think, has really hurt us. Um, our right tackle has struggled mightily uh, all season, and he was benched. Uh, at what he actually moved to center, and we brought in a second string, a second string, um, uh, second string uh, right tackle, and then uh, and then you know there was a and, and it, we just we've we've shuffled the line so many times that right tackle has played at right tackle uh at center he's gone to the bench and now he's gone now he's come back and he's he's our right tackle again and uh uh he got beat on the first play of the game against Mercer and you think Man, he shouldn't get beat the first play of the game <laughs> against Mercer. If we keep this up we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna lose a lot of ball games and and uh I, I think he's he's he is uh I think he's still a liability uh, although we're down to our third center, I think we finally stabilized the the center a little bit. But uh, yeah, the blitzing, and then uh, uh, it's a longer answer than you wanted. But I think the blitzing, the overload, uh, creates confusion, and sometimes just one on one on our right tackle, uh, you you can beat them straight up. I
0: was surprised to see that this season the Cincinnati Bearcats defense has actually forced quite a few more turnovers than the Alabama defense. If you're going to characterize maybe the style of play of the Alabama defense this year, you know, tell me a little bit more about them. It doesn't seem to have the vibe of of your classic stifling, you know, Alabama Nick Saban defense uh, as it has in the past.
2: It really it, it really isn't. Uh, though maybe the last third of the season, they've really gotten their sea legs and they and they've really they've really improved. It's still not sort of classic, you know, saving defense, but but, you know, they they definitely have have improved Um, when the secondary plays their responsibility and not someone else's responsibility. You know, we've had we'll have a safety walk up because they're concerned about you know, the run fill, but their primary responsibility is not get, you know, not getting beat deep. And so they step up too much. And then, they, you know, then they get, you know, they get beat deep. Uh, you know, we've had uh, those types of, of instances. We've had someone, you know, pass off the, the wrong, the, the wrong route uh, or play, you know, outside technique when they should play inside technique. And so a lot of it is just mind numbing because these are fundamentals. These are all sort of easy to clean up. And I think the secondary has gotten, you know, better and better at that. We've seen a little more depth rotate through, um, at the uh, at the line at the defensive line position, and the linebackers have really come into their own. Um, it's a really solid, uh, I think, linebacker core uh, for you know for this Alabama team. And then you know, and Will Anderson's the heart and soul of the team. I think everyone knows that. Uh, later in the season, we started to move him around a little bit. He's been at, he he started the season almost exclusively on the the right side of the line. We'll blitz him up the middle sometimes. And against Georgia, he played a lot on the uh, on the left side of the line. So it'll be interesting to see how we move him around.
0: You're not kidding about Will Anderson. 91 tackles, 15 and a half sacks on the season. So it looks like uh, that that might be the primary challenge for the Bearcats, it looks like, in terms of uh, protecting Des Ritter is, is figuring out a way to keep him away.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a challenge is going to be uh, 15 on the other side. Uh, Dallas Turner, he's a true freshman. His numbers aren't as gaudy. Uh, he started third team uh, at the at the position, but uh, again, this last you know third of the season, quarter of the season, um, he has really blown up. He's a he's had a couple of multiple sack games, and uh, and uh, he's really coming into his own as well. So yeah,
0: there's some fun so, guys to watch there. We see we see the Bearcats, you know, go back and forth in terms of style of play offensively. This is the first season where they seem to be we're we're legitimate you know, explosive play threat this season, which is not something we're historically known for. Des Ritter and and Denbrock offenses have historically been, you know, short passes, running game, work our way down the field with with 10 to 13, 15 plays, get a touchdown. This season we've seen a lot more quick strike attack. It could be Jerome Ford. It could be Alec Pierce. It could be Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott. Um this secondary, if if there is a weakness in terms of how to attack this Alabama defense is it with the more explosive downfield plays or, or is there a bit, a bit more of a vulnerability in the short passing attack or running game?
2: Yeah. I, I think anything you do with your tight end is a vulnerability to the, the, you know, the middle of uh, the Alabama defense. Uh, I do think you can lull our, our safeties in and, uh, and, and throw over the top Tennessee uh, Tennessee did that with uh with, with great effect. And then if you, if you truly are, Which which I I believe that Cincinnati is. I believe that you guys are. If you truly are versatile, where you could be a dynamic running threat, but then also throw the ball down the field, what you can do is is catch us, catch us kind of, kind of napping. Saban likes to call. I use the analogy of like the old technical bowl, right? Saban likes to call the perfect defense for every offense. And what and what that does is leads to a lot of player rotation, uh, a lot of shuttling in and out, and then a lot of you might have the right. Perfect defense call, but if if one person's out of position or one place, one player reads the, the wrong cue, uh, the complexity makes it harder to uh harder to play. And we've we've said many times, if we'll just simplify, just play our nickel. Uh we typically base out of out of the nickel. If we'll just play out of the nickel, then everyone knows their responsibility and and we can play faster and and play better. So if you see us hopping in and out of uh nickel and dime, then there's an opportunity in there. Uh, If we play pretty consistently nickel, uh, except for maybe on third and longs, uh, you know, only as the exception, then we might be grooved into something that'll be a little harder, but uh, I'd work the tight ends. Uh, We struggle. We it's, it's become a, it's become a joke on, on our podcast. Uh, Saban has said, you know, we don't play a defense that doesn't cover the tight ends, except for it looks like sometimes we do. (laughs) And uh, uh, so um you know i would say you could definitely make hay with uh, with the tight ends and you've got a couple of them that uh, have put up some yards and touchdowns so short yardage that might be something to watch
0: it's kind of music to our ears lenny <laughs> taylor josh wiley i mean these are yeah. guys that they come and go game to game they're, they're not always featured necessarily because there are a lot more options than we have had historically but josh wiley is someone who does have that physical profile and an outlook as a future nfl player so if that's I mean, if we have to lean on tight ends, that's, that's kind of music to our ears. I think that's a, that can be a focal yeah. point for us. I
2: always, when you know, when we play someone, I always look, what's their tight end stats? And, um, and we play Florida, and their tight end hadn't had a catch. And I was week three, and I was like, well, we'll see. And he had a lot of catches that day. Uh, we played Mississippi State, and they did not have a tight end on the roster. And I was like, all right, this is our <laughs> kind of opponent. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. That's something to watch.
0: Josh Job, am I, am I saying his last name correctly? Yeah, yeah, Job? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Josh Job having uh ankle surgery and is going to miss the game. What kind of loss is that for Alabama?
2: Yeah, he's gonna be out. He's he's got a it's a turf toe and uh and it's and he missed a couple games last year. And he's been, you know, he's missed a couple games. It's one of those injuries that just it's been a hard time, uh hard time coming back from. And and I think, you know, going ahead and getting the surgery now, I think, and he's a junior, he could come back or with the COVID year, whatever the math is on that, he could come back. I think this is an indication that he's not uh, – that he's not going to come back, that he's getting it, uh, you know, surgically repaired for, um, you know, for combine work. Um, he's our veteran at, at the position, uh, but we do have other other players. Now, he's gotten burned a couple of times. He was the number two opposite Patrick Sertain last year, and so when he moves over into the one spot, then he gets the one number one receiver – and he's had some, uh, you know, matchup uh, issues with that. But overall, he's he's played well. He's good for a pass interference, but overall, he's played well. We will miss him, uh, especially you know from a from a depth standpoint. We've got a freshman, and uh, uh, he goes by his nickname so often. I forget his I forget his first name, but Kool Aid McKinstry. Um, he's got some growing up to do. Uh, he got spun around a couple of times uh, against Georgia. But against Auburn, he made some sensational plays, and so he's got some growing up to do. He's got some leveling out to do, but I, th- I suspect he's going to be pretty good. And uh, uh, Jalen Amore Davis is uh, is the number two corner, and I think um, he's missed some time f- with injury as well. And so I think uh, I think he's going to be all right. The un- the story sort of that that no one will talk about, I don't think, is um is is we had our, our fourth corner that uh put his name in the portal and see he's he's no longer on the team. And so in a game where we might actually need him, uh we're, we might have uh, our our third corner now uh is is our what our fifth corner and he's a true freshman. So um so that might be an interesting storyline to watch. Well,
0: I'm I'm blown away. I heard a lot of great information there that that fourth corner bit is is really good information, but apologies that I couldn't move past the fact that <laughs> the, the the freshman quarterback you mentioned was named Kool Aid Kool Aid McKinstry. Yes, and just to make you feel better, I'm at Sports Reference right now, and that's how he's in the system. Is Kool Aid yeah. McKinstry? Hey, and hey, the
2: hey,
0: he, he's the legally reason, changed his name. Yes. The reason I love it so much, though, is that the the number one cornerback for the Bearcats is Sauce Gardner. There you um, go. So. and no, you'll never hear anybody say a mod a mod Gardner anymore. It's always it's, Sauce Gardner. Sauce, so we yeah. have we have a Kool Aid versus Sauce situation on our hands, which there I couldn't go. be happier about.
1: Yeah. Uh, Actually, we—I was thinking earlier. You—you you said, "Uh, Jamo Jam." I'm like, which is better, jam or sauce? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no kidding. Well, Dave, uh, tons of tons of good information there on kind of the the inner workings of the Alabama roster. Um, going back to the macro a bit here, uh, before we let you go. Yeah. If if you want to sort of speak for the Alabama fan base, you you don't go into these college football playoffs nervous. I'm sure. Uh, you've won enough na- national championships. This is the normal operating procedure, as we mentioned before, about, you know, being in this situation. But the difference this year is that you are facing a G5 program, the first G5 program to ever make the college football playoff in terms of how the fan base is speaking about this matchup and thinking about it. Are there, is it being viewed as sort of like the ideal cakewalk type matchup? Nothing to see here. Uh, see all the national championships.
2: Well, you know, you're going to have that in your fan base, right? And uh, and 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 I think that's some of the audience that Saban was talking to when when he did his he did his rant. Um, and and look, a little bit of it is earned, right? We could look at our, the playoffs, and we could look at Alabama's first round history, and you know, we're not making you know that stuff is real, um, and so that can influence uh, you know people's perceptions. What I would caution. And, and even just the more talking to you guys and, and, and looking at the, the Bearcats, what I would caution Alabama fans is let's not get too far over our skis on this. Um, yes, the Georgia game showed what we could be, but we've seen what else we, we could be. And so as Alabama fans, we need to try to get some running backs healthy. We need to figure out, you know, this offensive line uh, coming up to this game. And we need to be careful um, Georgia has a good defense, but they played into us a little bit by not blitzing a lot. And we're playing, you know, the black cat, was it the black cat uh, the black cats. You know, defense? Yeah, the black cats, the the aggressive sort of blitzing uh, defense. Uh, and, you know, with two all America corners, uh, you know, setting our shop on, on the outside and we're down our receiver. And so you start to put all this together. And I, I think there's I think there's a recipe for it to be uh, a, a really good, uh, a really good matchup. And um, that'll, that'll make Alabama. If you, if you follow Twitter during the game, there'll be some, there'll be some mad Alabama fans firing everybody. <laughs> uh, but you know, that's been par for the course. I think this is uh, I think this is going to be uh, a, a legit contest and, um, and it's going to be, it's going to be great fun to watch.
1: Oh, I will not be checking Twitter at all at, at Goodyear stadium. But the one thing I am going to find interesting, the dynamics is like, as a fan base, I actually haven't talked to a lot of the other Bearcat fans. And on Twitter, there doesn't seem to be too much panic, if you would. No one's being overly cocky in any way, shape, or form. In fact, we we admonished this character, who we think was an Alabama plant. We think Nick Saban sent him to University of Cincinnati to put an Alabama shirt on Nippert Stadium's, uh on the field and stomp on it. No, to, we
0: do admon- a, to do a TikTok. Oh, song. I saw TikTok that. TikTok dance. Dance. To do a yes. TikTok dance all that.
1: And every oh, I single bearcat was like, "That's not," yeah. And every bearcat was like, "He's not with us. <laughs> <laughs> he is we... not one of ours. We do not claim him, Mister Nick." Please. Uh,
2: I think I saw what... a comment like that. Dude's about to get ejected from school.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, but what? What I, I think the dynamic that I'm going to find interesting is is so you get this bearcat team who you basically have to play perfect in order to get this opportunity, and on top of that, like you know, you have to have what two power five conference teams with or champions with two losses, whatever you make it in. Now you are playing. I don't, it could be Alabama. It could have been Michigan. It could have been Georgia. I think with any of this, it's almost like in my mind, they have that little like Lehigh, Lehigh effect. Like you don't want to be the team that loses to the G five program in the playoff. (laughs) Right. And so I feel like the, the pressure is now flipped because for the Bearcats, look, let's face it, if we get our asses stomped by Alabama, congratulations, we're just like all the other teams that have gotten their asses kicked by Alabama in the playoff, right? There's no difference there, right? We play you close, all right? There's respect. Alabama still wins. We beat Alabama all of a sudden, whoa, right? The world's yep. been flipped up on its head. So I, I'm, I'm I'm, interested to see how if that, I mean, these are really, let's face it, it's a really good coached, you know, saving squad, I doubt that's really going to be yeah, you know, in her mind. But I think it will be, if the Bearcats were to go in at halftime somehow with a lead. I'm curious if we start seeing a little bit of like the like, tension, the anxiety, the the, the, the the
0: stress of 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 what this moment could be. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Hum.
2: I think this, the the storylines. Uh, I, I think maybe two points. I'd I'd say. I think the storyline, the media storylines. Will will follow sort of a circle, and we see this two weeks between the Super Bowl, and we see this you know leading up, whoever whoever the media thinks is is going to win, and so you know Vegas and whatever Alabama whatever the number one's you know, uh, and so that follows its its story arc. Within there's still a week and a half before the game, and you got to write something, and so then it becomes the articles about you know. Oh, wait a second. What about the pressure? And what about these quarterbacks? And what about but the
0: cornerbacks to... and the offensive line? Exactly. Yeah. They'll and start so putting those, those storylines.
2: Yeah. Like you can almost set your watch, you know, like Christmas morning, you know, some of those articles will start landing that, that, you know, that, that next week. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll say one more thing. And, um, and again, this will sound like just an Alabama fan talking about what he's done before and, and a little bit, a little bit, yes, but a little bit like.
0: You guys have done a lot.
2: Counsel, yeah. you know, just, a, you know, there have been years, and, and it's the playoffs, so it's four teams, and, and there's been years where it's just the two, and it's announced, you know, in early December, and the game is in early January. That December timeframe, soak up every minute of it, right? Because you're not going to lose on Saturday, right? It's not going to, in you know, no, it's not going to be taken away from you on Saturday. It's like enjoy the hell of it because there are how many D1 schools are there? They don't use that term anymore, but how many of them are there? All but four, all but four wish they were you and I. And so just enjoy the hell out of that. And whatever happens, happens, but just enjoy December.
1: I'm going to take that clip, and I'm going to send that to my brother-in-law, who is the world's biggest Ohio State fan.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Y'all wish you
1: were down here in Clifton, baby. Screw Columbus.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say all of that, but I'm with you.
1: Well, Dave, we really appreciate you hopping
0: on here with us and and talking a little bit about this upcoming matchup between Bama and Cincinnati. We're excited to to see it play out. You've been um, a huge asset in terms of your knowledge of the program, and and we appreciate it. And and again, thank you to having for having us on your podcast as well. It's been great.
2: Absolutely, fellas, this has been so much fun uh, talking the ball, talk you know talking this game, and it's still a couple of weeks away, but it's it's so much fun. Get the blood flowing, and uh, and just meeting you guys and and sharing some time with you and your audiences. It has been a tremendous amount of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. Appreciate it.